I personally, honest, I, I, I hate hearing 5-0. I don't like to hear it. Because nobody wanted to mention the record when we were 2-5. Nobody wanted to talk about that. So I don't want to hear it now. I don't want to hear it now. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. I also do not want to hear it. Don't talk about my 5-0 <laughs> fantasy team. No one wanted to talk about my 2-3 and three fantasy team, including me. That's my ride or die. Jalen Hurts, that's who you just heard. It is noon on Peacock on a Monday, but it's 5 o'clock somewhere. My name is Matthew Berry. He's Connor Rogers and Julie Stewart-Binks back in the chair as well. Good Monday to all of you. JSP? I think you'd want to hear 5-0. I mean, I want people talking about things when I'm doing well, not when I'm doing poorly. Right? Fly under the radar. Yeah. No expectations. No expectations. expectations. 100%. I always try to under, uh, under promise you. and over deliver. Always. Yeah. It's how I got my wife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we got to take the wins when you get them, yep. as we know. Yep. And there were a number of running backs that were very highly rated ahead of this season that maybe didn't have the greatest start in the first couple weeks, but after this weekend, we could maybe say that they're back. Or are they back? Road World headlines here as we see the return of a number of guys like Austin Eckler, as we saw last week as well, but Leonard Fournette, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Alvin Kamara. And when you look at just even the list of these, I mean, look at these points that we're seeing. Matthew, who stands out to you after this week? Well, okay, so there's, there's a bunch of names in there that I think are interesting. We're going to get into Brace Hall a little bit. Tevin Coleman, the ghost of Tevin Coleman, making an From appearance where? there in the top ten. Um, Unreal. Sort of interesting uh, there. We'll get into that. But Jeff Wilson Jr. was, was fantastic. I, I think we'll, we'll talk about uh, Tevin Coleman a little bit later in the show. But what was nice to see, a couple of things I think stand out to me from that list was, first off, it was a lot of big names, right? A lot of guys that we all drafted early in drafts and were like, where is it? And for a year, we're like, like oh, God, zero RB. Finally, like mm-hmm. stars, performed like stars. We finally saw the Alvin Kamara that we all expected after a couple of bad weeks there. Um, you know, Nick Chubb, no passing game usage yet again, and yet he is still getting so much volume and getting the scores. So Nick Chubb, I think, you know, sort of defying preseason expectations that hey, he's not going to be used in the passing game. Is he really an RB1? There's no question about it. Nick Chubb is the second best running back in fantasy as we head into Monday night on week five there. And... Um, the only other thing I'll mention off of that list that I thought was interesting is Chris McCaffrey. Yes. Chris McCaffrey was there, and I bring up Chris McCaffrey, Connor, as a way to sort of say, hey, there is news out of Carolina today. Matt Rule, first coach fired, as yeah. expected. And, you know, you kind of look at this and go, will this ignite some guys in that locker room and maybe help some of these guys from a fantasy perspective? Change is good, right? We, I mean, like, well, it can only get better. It, there's yeah, nowhere we're one and four. There's yeah. nowhere to go but up. I mean, CMC hasn't been the league-winning guy. I mean, he's basically stayed healthy. Um, he hasn't been the guy that we expected him, but he's been fine. He's been an RB1, maybe not worth the second overall pick, which is where he went in most drafts, but he's been fine. And hopefully if, um, you know, listen, Ben McAdoo is still there. He's the offense coordinator, but Matt Rule is an offensive-minded coach. And so maybe with him out, maybe they, they try some, something different. Steve Wilkes uh, on the defensive side of the ball, he's going to be the interim head coach now. So you can only hope that, I don't know, maybe people play a little bit more relaxed. And can DJ Moore get to some fantasy consistency? Could we see Robbie Anderson return to what we saw in week one and what we've seen two years ago? Um, I don't know that there's a major fantasy takeaway other than the fact that, like, it's been bad, and so 
nowhere to go but up for the Carolina Panthers offense. I think we've seen with interim coaches they play a little loose because there's nothing to lose, right? right? They might go forward on more fourth downs. They don't have that situation where they're playing tight all the time. You might see a couple of trick plays, and maybe that does get the receivers going a little bit. But it's great to see the big dogs return to exactly what they are. Nick Chubb, maybe the most gifted runner in football, 10 missed tackles forced, five runs of 10-plus yards, 99 of his yards came after contact. So Nick Chubb, situation aside, it doesn't matter what's going on there in Cleveland. He always shines. Right, and a lot of people will be happy to see that these names were performing this weekend because these were some of the big guys that you drafted early on if this is you know what you're going for with the running back sure. early. And we know that there was a rookie, though, that had an incredible day, and he had a franchise record game, a breakout game for Brees Hall from the Jets. 97 rushing yards, 100 receiving yards, and here on this play – was one of the marquee plays of the day. Almost makes it to the end zone. <laughs> and uh, he had some words to say about this play in particular after the game. Sorry, do you, you kind of wish that the football field was 99 yards instead of 100? <laughs> <laughs> Man, today, bro, you know, I just had to learn to fight for that extra yard. I feel like uh, it was, you know, it was all built up for the last touchdown. So, you know, we were just out there balling, making plays today. The coaches put us in a good position to, you know, execute and uh, make really good plays for the team, and that's what we did. Well, that is fought, what they did. Yeah, he fought pretty hard even to just get to being within that one yard. And, Connor, you know the Jets well, seeing a guy like Breezal have a performance like this. Were you expecting a breakout day like this? Uh, this, no. I mean, this was a monster day on the ground and through the air. And he got tackled at the one-yard line twice after after big catches. So this could have been a, a huge day. This could have been a 40-point day for Brees Hall. But you'll take what you can get right now. And the most important aspect here is, Julie, that the Jets are – focusing on getting him involved. Do you see the throw down the sideline on the wheel route from Zach Wilson? Michael Carter was actually underneath pulling the defense down towards him. So things are open for Brees Hall. It's crazy to say this about the Jets right now, who are top five in red zone touchdown percentage. You can start to trust the offense a little bit, specifically because of the new additions, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson. But the coaching staff's desire to have him be the guy is the biggest takeaway here. We talked about this last week. I actually would argue last week was sort of the breakout game. He made the love list yeah. this week because we said, like, hey, this is the breakout game we've been waiting for with Brees Hall. That was two weeks ago. I'm just saying here. right? He's now had three straight games with 15 or more fantasy points, but last week was his first game with 19 touches. He's now had 19 touches in consecutive weeks. So I, I feel like last week was the breakout game. This week was like, oh, okay. Right. I mean, almost 200 total yards, as you mentioned. Um, and and despite the fact that Michael Carter got those two touchdowns, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, Connor, again, his snap percentage has increased in three straight games. Like, I wish they would have let Brees Hall stay in there. Like, he had that crazy long play, and then they I brought know. in Carter to get the bunny. Um, but I think what's interesting to me is that he's getting so much passing game usage, which keeps his floor so high uh, in, in this one, right? I mean, obviously, you're not expecting a, whatever, you know, 90, 100 yards on two receptions, which is what wound up with this in this game. But, you know, he's getting, you know, a decent amount of targets every week. And as you look at their upcoming schedule at Green Bay, at Denver, home to New England versus Buffalo, not a great schedule there for the Jets. But even in games when they might get blown out, like the Buffalo game, He's going to stay on the field because he has that passing game usage. I think he's locked in as an RB2 and could potentially get to borderline RB1 status. To your point, Connor, the Jets, 
better than I think a lot of people gave them credit yes. for. As long as they're competitive in games, which is it appears what they're going to be, they're not always going to face a third-string, seventh-round yeah. rookie quarterback, but they're going to be competitive in games um, other than maybe the Bills game. And so, yeah. Brees Hall. Right. And especially with this Zach Wilson coming back, too, because we were unsure just how everything was going to work with the offense. But three and two, first time since 2017. Jets fans will be happy about that. And Seattle fans. And I think just before we move off the Jets, the last thing, Julia, is I'll say that I don't think we got enough. Again, that was such a weird game. Yeah. That, I mean, the Jets got a big, which is not always going to happen, right? Again, I mean, they're playing against a third-string quarterback. Um you know, a seventh-round rookie making his very first NFL, taking his first NFL snaps. That's not always going to happen for the Jets. So I don't know that we have enough data yet to say, like, oh, it's clearly Garrett Wilson, the guy you want, or, hey, we can clearly ignore Elijah Moore, you know, where Corey Davis fits in, or Conklin in that passing attack. I don't think we have enough yet of the Zach Wilson era to really decide that. But I think we do know Brees Hall is, you know, a every week no-brainer starter. It's a great point because it's been someone different every week. We've seen big Tyler Conklin weeks, and then he had a dud yesterday. He didn't have a catch. No, so yeah. it's, you know, with the Jets, they are learning how to incorporate all these new weapons. They signed two tight ends. They drafted one. They drafted a wide receiver in the top ten. They drafted a running back in the top 40. They are learning as a team how to incorporate all these new weapons while also developing a quarterback. So there will be some stumbles along the way, but the good thing is the new weapons do look extremely promising. Right. Small sample size, but positives with what you have right now. And as we mentioned, Seattle also, while they didn't get the win against uh, New Orleans Saints, they had another big day. We see Geno Smith that we know that Michael Smith has been really promoting here on the program. Had, had a great day, 24 points. Uh, Tyler Lockett, 27.4 fantasy points. DK Metcalf as well. And Kenny Walker, I mean, coming in um, for Rashad Penny, who went out with injury, he had an incredible day too, especially with that 69-yard touchdown. Matthew, when you look at Seattle, how how high are you on, on this offense right now? Well, I think the important thing is, and we talked about Geno Smith on Sunday's show, to your point, Michael Smith. Find yourself somebody who looks at you the way that Michael Smith looks at Geno Smith. <laughs> um, but we talked about it in the Facebook pregame, and the fact is, is that Geno Smith is playing good ball. Take whatever. You know, he's playing good football. And so to the extent that you care about the fantasy-relevant players, which is Lockett and Metcalf and the running back, and we'll get to him in a second, like you like that. And do I think Geno Smith is a viable QB streamer? Absolutely. He's now had uh, 17 or more fantasy points in four out of five games this year. He's now back-to-back weeks with 24 or more fantasy points. This is what I said on Sunday morning. I said, Geno's been great. I said, but I want to see him, listen, on the road at New Orleans against a tough defense, that's something Mm -hmm. different. And you know what? He did it. You know, he's got seven passing touchdowns in his last three games. He had two bombs to Tyler Lockett in this game that were just absolute dimes. Yep. Mm-hmm. That were not like a dink and dunk and Tyler Lockett then ran 40 <laughs> yards. I mean, they were absolutely beautiful throws, one in between double coverage, like legit big-time NFL throws. So kudos to Geno Smith. Kudos to the Seahawks coaching staff. I think Geno Smith, who now gets – he's home to Arizona. He's at the Chargers. He's home to the Giants. He's at Arizona. Arizona, two of the next four weeks, does not scare you at all. And he's played against some tough defenses, so I do think Geno Smith is a viable fantasy starter. And a like he's in that you know twelve to fourteen range at quarterback. Like you know, who'd you rather have the rest of the year, Geno Smith or Matthew Stafford? I'd say Geno Smith, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Geno Smith or Aaron Rodgers is a conversation, right? I mean, like it I mean, has so become it, one. It, right? It's <laughs> I mean, like. That's what I'm saying. Like, Geno Smith or Russell Wilson. Geno Smith to yes. me are not close. It's not close. Yes. Right. Imagine saying that. I mean, right, ago. exactly. How did we get here? Right, exactly. Fantasy managers and the Seahawks, I think fans By would be way, both be like. For you, congratulations on, what did you put? Uh, you said that 
uh, Russell Wilson was going to have an injury. It would be coming yes. out this week. Right. And what, what, well, what, what, of course, would happen on, on Friday. Right, exactly. Well, it was really the shoulder. Yeah, it, yeah. it was the shoulder, of course. He's fighting through injury, of course. He knew that was going to get leaked. Um, and it did, uh, literally like the next day. Uh, so anyway, I think that Lockett and Metcalf, based on Geno's play, they're rostered in every league. It's just, but you can feel confident about starting them every single week. To me, the interesting thing of this story here is Kenneth Walker. Absolutely, Rashad Penny suffered a fractured tibia, and after he left with that injury, Julie, 88% of the snaps uh, after Penny left. Awful on Penny. Looks like he's going to miss a lot of time yeah. here. But I know that Kenneth Walker is somebody that the Seahawks brass is really high on Connor because in college – this was a kid who can play. Absolutely. When they drafted him, I think they envisioned him taking over at some point this year, as talented as Penny is. But they drafted a running back in the second round. This was going to be a run-heavy team until the defense fell apart. Now they're forced to throw. But Kenneth Walker, they're so excited about him. His ability to create his own yards, the fact that he has shown more as a pass catcher in their training camp before he got hurt than he ever got the opportunity to in college, and the big explosive run plays that you mentioned, Julie. That's something that can really change their offense, where when you get those big explosive run plays going they want to work play action with geno smith down the field to lock it in metcalf so the seahawks offense is rolling right now that's not something i thought we would be saying a month ago here's what i'm going to say about kenneth walker if you've been holding on to your fab budget if you've been holding on to a number one waiver claim he's the guy he's available in about 56 percent of yahoo leagues he's somebody we've talked about a decent amount mm-hmm. over the court yep. but like the question was penny and i mentioned i know michael smith like looked at me and i said i've heard some people in that organization think he could be Ladanian Tomlinson, which is crazy, yeah. crazy wow. talk. But, like, just in terms of, like, his big playability, the versatility, um, all the different things that he can do, they – and I'm not sitting here saying that. I'm just telling you I heard that from a source I trust um, who tells me – anyway, they really like him a lot. He is – he's worth all the fab money. Yeah. He's worth the number one waiver claim. Be aggressive in trying to acquire Kenneth Walker if he's still available in your league. I think he has the potential to be a league winner – I agree. The Seahawks are averaging 21 running back touches per game with Rashad Penny out and now Travis and Travis Homer's already out, Rashad Penny now out. Like DJ Dallas is like a he's a nice pass catching third down back, but he ain't going to be the guy. You're looking at a team that is run heavy, a better offense than gets expected and a talented player who's getting an opportunity here all in on Kenneth Walker the rest of the way. They drafted him to be a workhorse back, and now with the Penny injury, that's exactly what he's going to mm-hmm. be and the fact that this offense has been productive could lead to even more production for him. I, I agree with Barry. He can be a league winner. If you stashed him, good for you. If he's on your yeah. waiver wire, do whatever you can to get him. 100%. And really, even just talking about the Seahawks like this right now, they lost this game, and there's so many positives yep. uh, you know, on the ground, in the air, as we look forward to their game yeah. against Arizona yeah, next They lost Sunday. the game because of stupid Taysom Hill. Like, I didn't get me started. <laughs> well, we're going to get into that. We'll get there. Right. Right, yes, yeah, so that, was, that was something stupid else. Stupid Taysom Now, uh, Gabe Davis. Wow, what a game that he had for the Buffalo Bills. He bounced back in such an incredible way. He had three catches for 171 yards, two touchdowns, and, uh, you know, led things off in the first offensive play of the day. Eh, He was on a couple people's benches, uh, I noticed on Twitter out there. But Gabe Davis felt pretty good coming back and being a playing a huge role for the Bills. Um, it, it, it's unreal um, to be in the position that I'm in and be able to make that play. Um, I was just telling the guys, it just feels like I didn't even do it um, because it was just, you know, such a big moment in the game and such a, a big step for me as well um, in, in my head and what I have going on. So I was just, you know, really happy to be able to be the player to do it. Were you worried at all at any point in that play 
Like he was going to get that ball away from you? Yeah, for a minute I, I, I was. I th- we were fighting for it. I really couldn't feel it out. And then once I got a good grip on it, I just ripped, ripped it out and was able to hold on to it. What was the vibe on the sideline in that fourth quarter? You know, guys just, you know, saying uh, that Gabe's back and Gabe's doing what Gabe does. You know, I, listen, I, here's what I would say about Gabriel Davis. You know we love him. He was a big sleeper in the preseason for me. He was a big sleeper in the preseason for a lot of people. Uh, a very controversial person within the fantasy community. Yep. And what's weird is, is that I think both sides of that argument can take a victory lap today. The pro-Gabriel Davis team, which is I'm included, I feel like I'm sort of the head cheerleader of that, can sit and go like, guys, 171 yards. 32.1 fantasy points. He scores twice. You know, you see, like, he's got the big playability. That was one of the big things I talked about in the preseason was how his scoring equity and how when they get in close, they look for him. He didn't need that because he was taking it long distances. The anti-Gabe Davis crowd can sit here and go like, yeah, Barry, he had three receptions. He had six targets. In a game in which the Bills dominated, this was a guy that had just – He's, over his last two games that Gabriel Davis has played, he's got a 14% target share. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't – like, those are two fluky long plays. That's the longest scrimmage yards touchdown in Bill's history. Right? I mean, you know, and so, like, you can't expect that every week. So, it's weird, Connor, because I think you can sit here and say, you know, like, look at the fantasy production. But other people get like, it's a fluke. The guy only caught three balls on six targets in a pass-happy offense in a game in which – Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie and Dawson Knox were all out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, but the counter-argument with the Bills' offense, is it fluky? The Bills want to be this vertical attacking offense because they can. They have an alien at quarterback that could throw the ball 90 yards down the field on the run. They have one of the best receivers in football, Stephon Diggs, that commands a ton of attention in the intermediate area of the field. So, whether Gabe Davis gets targeted 10 times a game or three times a game, the guy makes the most of those targets. So I, I'm still buying in, and I think this actually is sustainable, that he's just a big play guy in a big play offense. Yeah, I'm buying oh, in, but, like, the last two weeks, I'm sorry. I mean, he had 5.2 PPR uh, points and then against Miami and then 1.8 PPR against Baltimore. So I benched him. I know I yep. took notes. You said don't bench him, play him. I was like, no way. Yep. I'm not playing him again and having him be a bust. He was on the level this week, yeah. I, <laughs> I put it out there being like, oh, wow, he's on my bench. And I had so many people on Twitter say on my bench as well. Because, like, at what point do you, you well, say, I'm he, not going to play him again? He, the Evidently production hasn't been yesterday. there, and he's been in. He, his health has been. The health's quite, been the That's, yes. that's the yeah. health one. Is, yep. is like, you know, he's been gimping around a little bit as well. So I understand that as well. Pittsburgh was a good matchup, though. Yes. I mean, the Steelers' defense <laughs> yes. is not the Steelers' defense of old. Without T.J. Watt back there, they're not getting any pressure. And so, you know, um, I mean, Fitzpatrick is a nice player, but they don't have a lot else. I mean, by the way, and just credit to Gabe Davis, like, Fitzpatrick had great coverage. Like, I mean, Gabe Davis just made Ripped a, the ball away. I mean, like, unbelievable. Like, a one-hand – like, I mean, I don't know how Fitzpatrick plays that any better, that, that particular – the, the second touchdown for Gabe Davis. But at any rate, I think – look, you know, we, I, I was pro-Gabe Davis prior, and yes. so certainly I'm on – you know, I'm on Team Gabriel Davis here. Looks like he's fully healthy. And I think, to your point, the fact is, is that what you're hoping for is you hope for games that are close. You hope that there are games that the Bills are involved where they're not blowing teams out the way they did against Pittsburgh. And here's the next four. Chiefs, Packers, Jets, Vikings. In theory, all those teams actually could be somewhat competitive. I mean, the Bills are one of the best teams in football, but you certainly think the Chiefs will keep up with them. I think Aaron Rodgers and the Packers probably hopefully can keep up with them. The Jets are kind of plucky. Yeah. And the Vikings, and the Vi- the, who knows what goes yeah. on that game. But the Vikings also will be able to keep up with them on some level. And so um, as long as it's semi-competitive, 
He's going to get his. I also, we're not going to get into the running backs here, but that's the thing with Devin Singletary. In games in which it's close for the Bills, Singletary gets a lot of work. In games in which it's a blowout, oh, here, James Cook. Here's, you know, so I'm not panicked yet on Devin Singletary, just as long as we're talking about right. Bills. Right, so then to that players. point, if it's going to be close going forward, would you then say you would go with Gabe Davis and, and feel confident that he could at I, least get not 31.6 fantasy points, but somewhere? I think Gabe Davis is a, you know, uh, a locked-in wide receiver three with significant upside. The leagues in which I have him, I'm starting him because we all have, like, those wide receiver three three guys, those guys that are like, eh, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when you're looking at those sort of fringe guys as we talk about, like, give me the guy that's going to be on the field with Josh Allen. right? I mean, like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you'd, you'd rather, like, you'd rather, of those fringy guys, you'd rather a guy like that than some of the others that are playing in poor offenses or worse quarterbacks. And there's a weird part of me that when I watch the Bills, especially in these blowout games, and still see them going for big plays and throwing the ball – there might be a Josh Allen MVP quest here that's in play that the coaching staff knows. And they're not going to put him in harm's way. Don't get me wrong. But they were very, very aggressive, even went up by two to three touchdowns. Yeah. That it might not matter. And I kind of like that about this you remember Drew? You remember uh, Drew Brees' um, uh, record-setting year where they were like, mm-hmm. where Sean Payton was just like, yeah, man, this is all about points. I don't care. Yeah. We're just throwing. We're up, we're up a zillion but to one, and we're going to keep yes. throwing like that. It feels like I'm with yes. you. It feels a little bit like that, that they want to – you know, whether it's Sean McDermott, whether it's Josh Allen, it's our franchise guy, this is the Bills' year, whether it's Ken Dorsey saying, like, hey, it wasn't all Brian Dayball. Yeah, I'm here. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. here, you know, everything In like the boot-throwing things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah exactly. I'm passionate. Um, well, you'll have so. to see it because it definitely keeps the game exciting. And uh, for Bills fans, you know, they deserve something good once in a while. Carolina Panthers fans, they deserve something better. After Matt Rule now has been fired, uh, leave of his duties, one in four they were. And Mike Florio tweeted, if everything I've come to believe about Panthers owner David Tepper is true, he'll fire Matt Rule tomorrow. That was tweeted out Sunday night. Yes. And, and here then, we are. <laughs> and then today... Some great prognosticating here. Well, right. I guess everything I've come to believe about David Tepper is true. Yep, that is Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio tweeting that out. David Tepper did, in fact, fire Matt Rules we talked about. Again, I, there's no fantasy impact here other than the fact that, like, you're starting Chris McCaffrey every week no matter what. And I think it's wait and see on DJ Moore, who has been somewhat better the last two weeks. Not good enough that you feel good about starting him and not bad enough that you're like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll just drop him. Like, he's, he's in that netherland. And so, again, we know what it is now. So change can only be good. Nowhere to go but up, right. I think, for DJ Moore and the Panthers' offense. Ultimately, I think this is a good thing for fantasy. When you've got nothing, you got nothing to lose, right? 100%. That's right. You might also not have a quarterback. You might have a quarterback situation right now with Baker Mayfield. We'll see Mayfield. Baker we'll Mayfield's see. banged up. We saw P.J. Walker, which was a mop-up duty there, XFL superstar P.J. Walker. But, I, I, you know, I, I, we'll see. Yeah. You know, whatever. It doesn't matter. It, there's no overreaction here is yeah. the biggest, most important takeaway. It's a wait and see with Carolina. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to wait and see who is also on the up and up from our weekend warriors. You know, the guys that really put in a great effort and it paid off. When we come back on Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry and Connor Rogers. Don't go anywhere.
Well, an incredible story here with Brian Robinson making his return to the gridiron after being shot just six weeks ago. Incredible that he's healthy, but he's able to play in the NFL. It's just one of those feel-good stories, especially when not necessarily so many feel-good stories for the commanders, but for Brian Robinson, definitely one of our weekend warriors here on the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. He's Matthew Berry. He's Connor Rogers. And as someone who is a Commanders fan, seeing this story, too, how does it make you feel? Awesome. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing human story. Like, again, uh, we talked about this on Sunday morning. When you hear a player gets shot, you know, multiple times, you're like, I hope he's alive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? So the fact that he's alive is a miracle. And you're not even thinking about football. And they're like, well, you know, like, I hope he can walk. Yeah. Okay, great. Now he can walk again. Okay, great, great. Well, he wants to resume football activities. That's great. Maybe he can make it back next year. Oh, no, no, no. Six weeks later. Like, it's an amazing, unbelievable story. Uh, should be the, you know, front runner for comeback player of the year. It's an incredible story. Um, and, by the way, you know, like, played well. Look, there, there weren't a lot of positives to take away from the commanders yesterday against Tennessee. But I would say this. I would go hard after Kenneth Walker. But... If you miss out on Kenneth Walker, if he's already taken in your league, and Brian Robinson is still there, I do think sooner rather than later, Robinson will take over this uh, this backfield. It was a three-headed committee in a losing effort to the Titans. Uh, so it's going to be a little while, but second half of the year, I could see Robinson making a difference. Either way, it's just a great human interest story and thrilled for Brian Robinson and his family. Essentially, mm-hmm. the minimum stay on the IR, which is just unbelievable yeah. that he's back already and, and playing, and, and I'm with Barry. that he There's hints he's going to take over here. Obviously, they need him to ramp up that workload, and it's a busy backfield, but I think all of the positive buzz about him over the summer will now carry back in now that he's healthy and ready to play to eventually be the guy and, most importantly, be the goal line guy. Right. Okay, so we had a number of other weekend warriors that stood out. Now, the Dolphins had the fourth-fewest rushing yards heading into the game against the Jets, but Raheem Mostert had 19 touches, 122 scrimmage yards, a touchdown, 19.2 fantasy points, despite the Dolphins dropping this one. Matthew, I know you've liked him for a while, but what did you think about him on Sunday? Raheem must start. He is. We've talked about this a little way, and I, I, a little. Uh, oh, uh, we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks. He is slowly but surely taking over this backfield from Chase Edmonds, who played one hat. One, I'm sorry, one snap in the second half. He played one snap. In fact, Miles Gaskin got more run than Chase Edmonds in this one. He's now had 17 or more touches in consecutive games. 19 touches, which was a season high this week uh, against the Jets. 46 offensive snaps. I mean, he obviously, the question on Mostert has never been talent. It's always been health. He's fully healthy now, and especially given all the questions at quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, we don't know if Tua will be back. We don't know if Bridgewater will be back um, on Sunday. So either way, we expect them to lean heavily on Raheem Mostert. He's available, by the way. He's not 100% rostered. He's he's rostered in most leagues, but not in 100% of leagues. So uh, Mostert who had almost 20 fantasy points in this one. If he's out there in your league, obviously you want to grab him. But I think a legit RB2 going forward. Skylar Thompson having to play obviously boosted the amount they need to go to him. But he's going to be the guy of this offense in the backfield. And 
They're trying to threaten horizontally. They have Tyree Kill. They have Jalen Waddle. But now you add another 4-3 guy in Mostert that Mike McDaniel loves. Obviously, we talk about every yeah. week on the show. There's a history with them in San Francisco. It's fully shifted to being Mostert's backfield, and they want as much speed as they can get on the field. But he also ran really hard yesterday. So Mostert's problem has never been talent. He's always had the uh, ability to be a, a top running back. It's about staying healthy, and so far he has stayed healthy as the workload continues to trend up. Right, and Mike McDaniel did want to see them run the ball more, and they definitely did with Mostert. Okay, so we stay in the backfield for New England, Connor, and Ramondre Stevenson, he had 27 touches, 185 scrimmage yards. Now we know that Damian Harris left with a hamstring injury. Going forward, what do you see from the kind of projection that Stevenson can have for them? Massive, massive. And I know Barry talked about this a lot over the summer, that he thought it would eventually trend this way. And it's already happened in week four. And there's a couple of combinations here. One, Stevenson's their most talented running back. And that's as a runner in the pass game. When he came out, uh, he reminded me a little bit of LeGarrette Blunt, And, of course, the mm. Patriots take him. And it's like, no, duh. The front offices kind of always <laughs> think the same way. But now they're on a quarterback in Bailey Zappi, a third-string quarterback that nobody expected to have him to play this year. They want to limit his throws. They want him to be efficient with those throws, which he has been. But this is a New England team that they want to do two things that you saw in full force yesterday. They want to play defense, and they want to run the ball around 30-plus times a game. He had 25 of those carries for 161 yards. Two catches is nice to pitch those in as well. But this is fully towards Ramondre Stevenson now and in a backfield and a run scheme that I think is actually finally getting going after a tough summer. Yes, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm on board with this as well. Like, listen, don't worry, be zappy. Like, I love, absolutely <laughs> love, absolutely love that uh, sign out there. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, S-E-N, right? Mm, I mean, as I we like talk about too. this, like, here's the thing. Ramondre Stevenson out there, by the way, and still like 12% of Yahoo leagues. I just looked at the Mostert's out there in 30%. So it's always worth looking at some of these big-name guys. We don't know the status of Damian Harris, but, Connor, you're 100% right. They're going to want to be run heavy. And so Ramondre Stevenson, in his career, when he's gotten 15 or more touches, averages 16.1 fantasy points per game. I think 15 touches is certainly within the realm of possibility at Cleveland against home to Chicago at the Jets, home to Mm. Indy. Stretch of decent defenses uh, coming up, but the fact of the matter is, again, Stevenson is their passing down back with, with James White retiring, right, and with Ty Montgomery banged up. It's been the Stevenson show here. Last three games, 51 carries, 300 rushing yards, 17.5 fantasy points per game. He's the 12th best running back in fantasy over the last three games, and now his workload is going to get even bigger with Damian Harris banged up. Right. You were hot on him to start the season, too, so that has certainly paid off. And sticking with the Patriots, Jacoby Myers said that he felt like a kid again on Sunday after he had missed two games with a knee injury. at seven catches for 111 yards, 24.1 fantasy points. You expect something like this from Myers. 95 or more receiving yards in two or three games played. I- your point is well taken, Connor. No one expected Bailey Zappi to to, uh, to have to play, and they didn't like, you know, it's not suddenly they're running a bunch of exotic stuff, but I thought Bailey Zappi looked pretty good. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, actually, like, I'm sitting here as a Commanders fan, like, really? Like, the Patriots can find, like, two guys in two years, and, like, we're paying $28 million to Carson Wentz? Okay, great. Good times. Um, but regardless, uh, like, I think Jacoby Meyer, like, if you're starting a pass catcher of the Patriots, Obviously, I think it's uh, it's Jacoby Myers who's averaging nine targets per game. I, I mean, so, I, you know, legit wide receiver three, no question about it. I, the touchdown is a little bit of a surprise, but Absolutely. I think whether it's Mac Jones under center or uh, Bailey Zappi or even Brian Hoyer, it looks like it's going to be a while for mm-hmm. Hoyer as well. 
they're getting the ball to Jacoby Myers. It goes back to something you say a lot. The ceiling Aguilar floor. also got banged up in this game, too. Yeah, the ceiling floor argument with Myers. He does not really ever find the end zone. This was a bit of an anomaly yesterday, and if that trend continues, it completely changes his outlook. But what he does always find is targets and yards and catches. So if you're in PPR and you need somebody to constantly hit that 8-14 to 14 kind of point format for you, Ooh. you can trust Myers to do that. But once again, what can change his trajectory is if he can continue to score. Yeah, and it feels like he might be someone, one of those guys we're not necessarily sure what that look is going forward, especially if we're not sure. When Mac is back, it'll yes. then you feel even better. Like, he's not exciting, but he, he's fine. He's, he's efficient. Probably, yes, I mean, like, he probably got drafted, I think he got drafted somewhere in the 50 to 60 range among wide receivers, and I think he's probably, it's probably more fair to put him somewhere in the 30 to 40, 30 to 45 range. You know, mm-hmm. he's just, he's, I think he's better than he gets credit for. But again, there's, the ceiling is the question there, but. You know, the man did score this week, right? right. You know, and uh, 24.1 fantasy points is 24.1 fantasy huge. points. Well, sky's the limit for Damian Pierce, who had uh, another Dude. incredible outing. Man, 29 touches, 113 scrimmage yards, touchdown, 20.3 points. His last few games have been great. I know because I've been doing the gritty whenever he does something because he wasn't doing so great I, early on, and I, I was telling people to I don't believe that. Draft him. I do not believe that at all. I Matthew, do not I've been be- I do not gritty, believe my gritty dancing all over TikTok. I do TikTok. not believe. I come back on camera. I I want do the gritty right now. I dare you to do oh the. Boy. I don't believe you put it out there that you actually right now. You do that. You do the. You Plenty say you space. do this. You actually do this. For like every 10-yard yeah. run I mean, or every 10-yard t- touchdown? How often are we grittying here? Whenever it's a player, it's uh, it has been Damian Pierce the last two weeks because I told my boyfriend to draft him, and then he wasn't doing very well, and then he has been. So whenever I've seen him have a, a good highlight, I do my gritty, which is just not great. Yeah, and well, that's why I don't attempt a gritty. All right, maybe when we go to break, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll do that. We'll, we'll maybe when we do that, that when we go to break. Something to think about here. Uh, but Damian Pierce, um He's been able to be the guy right now, and you see that going forward. Absolutely. I mean, him and Brees Hall are about to have a wild Rookie of the Year showdown yeah, because yeah. they are just the guys in their backfield, two teams that have been trying to turn it around. They're going to lean on their young players. And the number that sticks out for me with Damian Pierce this week, he forced 17 missed tackles. <laughs> the sec- that was obviously the Dude. tops in the league for this week. The second guy was Nick Chubb with 10. A seven missed tackles difference, 17 to 10. So Damian Pierce, the way he's running right now is much different from everybody else in football that no matter what you think of the Texans offense, which probably isn't very much or very highly of, he can overcome that. So Damian Pierce, he's in line to be right in the final finish for Offensive Rookie of the Year. I thought some th- a couple of interesting things here. First off, to your point about the missed tackles, I mean, like – I. Forget about missed tackles. Like, how about just broken tackles? Like, yeah, those he went, count. He went, right, he went yep. mini beast mode. I, you know, if you saw that unbelievable run um, that Pierce made. And I think what's interesting here with Pierce is five targets, three for 14. And you're like, whatever, three for 14. But the fact is that was the concern coming into the year was would he get any passing game usage? Oh, it looks like they trust Rex Burkhead in that role more, right? That yeah. first game, which his usage was so weird. But, like, okay, five targets. Like, you know, like, as long as he's not a total zero in the passing game, Damian Pierce now has three straight games with 20 or more touches and 18 or more fantasy points since week two. Since that crazy Rex Burkhead, what, we don't know what was going on. He's the seventh best running back in fantasy. And I mentioned, I mentioned the three for 14. He now has nine receptions in his last two games. So if he's getting, if he's getting passing game usage, this is a low-end RB1 on a mm-hmm. eight. You know, a tougher-than-you-think Texans team. I was so annoyed. I took the Jaguars in my survivor. We're doing a little survivor pool here. 
And tell me, Connor, you guys, I want, I want a quick ruling on this. So I send in my pick every week, right? And I sent it in last week, and I'm like, oh, it's, uh, yeah, give me the Jags at home. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, this might be the one week I can use the Jags because I'm yeah. thinking about Sure. Turns out in week four, I was literally the last person. It was me and one other guy. And I'm like, wait a minute. There was only two of us left? That kind the person of year. who's running the pool doesn't send out standings or anything like that. So I'm like, I would have totally taken a much, I would have taken like the Buccaneers or a, sa- a safe. I would, much yes. safer pick. Right, right. Um, like, if you're running a survivor pool, don't you? Aren't you obligated to send out the standings every week and let you know? Always who's blame left? the commissioner yes, in anything. Yeah, yeah in you have life. responsibility. Okay, that's not yeah. your fault. That's yeah, another. When things go badly for you, blame the commissioner of yes, everything. Huh? When things go badly for you, blame the commissioner of your league. <laughs> it's a tough Fantasy, pick for your pool. for your survivor pool, but um, yeah, I, I'm out. Uh, yeah, you're done. Yeah. I'm out. I'm like, I can't believe they lost. And then I was in the room, and the guy goes, "Oh, I won." I'm like, "What do you mean you won? It was me and you. We're the only two left." Yes. I thought, like, I thought there it was, was like, like 50 a, people left in this thing. It was like a Week blindfolded Survivor League. I mean, I'm not really it was, sure. Honestly, the worst Survivor League in history. Yeah, honestly, it this, sounds like, this, it. like it. Was, yeah, okay, stat. we got to move on to Jeff Wilson Jr. He had a career day, 132-yard outing as the Niners win over the Panthers. 18 touches, 132 scrimmage yards, 20.2 points. And, um, Connor, I mean, like, he just uh, continues to flourish with this Niners offense and, and Jimmy G. Yeah, well, that's the number one thing. No matter that they're playing the Panthers, the 49ers offense has started to find it. They start slow, especially with Jimmy G, every single year. Every single year they start slow. So that's not surprising. They're finally back on track here. Uh, as Barry alluded to earlier in the show, the ghost of Tevin Coleman coming out of nowhere for two touchdowns makes you wonder what this day is going to be. I think it's time Kyle Shanahan is going to start to ruin lives and just throw Tevin Coleman back into the mix as the offensive snap percentage actually decreased for Jeff Wilson this week. But you could still trust him as set a starter because their run game is so successful. Also, by the way, 37-15, and by the way, not that close. I mean, this is a game where they're yeah. blowing them out. They had to I run. think the, yeah. to me the, the, the headline on Tevin Coleman isn't the two touchdowns because we don't expect that every week. But what I would say is that Jeff Wilson Jr., who is, and I agree with you, I think he's a locked-in RB2, right? I mean, the the usage has been there in terms of the touches. He's averaging almost 18 touches a game since Elijah Mitchell went down. He was on the love list this week, ended up paying off. Um, But I think Wilson has dealt with injuries throughout his career. And so as we were sitting there, like, oh, is it Jordan Mason? Is it TDP? Like, who, like if, we wanna, if we want an insurance running back on Jeff Wilson Jr., because we know San Francisco likes to sometimes use multi-wing running backs, I, Tevin Coleman is the answer to that question. He's obviously very familiar with Kyle's system, having played for him before in both San Francisco and Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, they like him. They trust him as opposed to these, you know, young rookies as well. Um, I thought it was interesting here that Debo Samuel – Got one, uh, got two carries. I'm sorry, he got two carries in this game, which and we're used to seeing a little bit more. Yes. And maybe that was because Coleman was running well and Wilson was running well, or again, they were up big. They were up big in this game. So uh, I don't mind. St- we'll talk about Tevin Coleman a little bit tomorrow during the waiver wire show, but uh, I think it's more like just a hey, they were up big and he got a couple, you know, he caught one, he, he, he ran one in. Uh, it's still Jeff Wilson Jr.'s backfield. Yes. Against but- a lifeless team. Against a lifeless yes, team yeah, that just fired, and now a coachless team, and now a coachless <laughs> yes. team. So. Yeah. Well, again, take the wins when you can get them, right? As yep. you say. Okay, so well, one guy who really stood out on Sunday, who, just, who literally did absolutely everything in this game and in his career, is Taysom Hill. Annoying he, Taysom Hill. <laughs> Officially his name, Hill. stupid Taysom Hill. No, annoying what? No. Taysom Hill. I think it's great. The guy's got so he's like a Swiss Army knife. Like this is what. A, well, let's hear let's hear from the man himself on an Do incredible day and adding maybe another <laughs> position to his list. 
Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, play it. To have more than 100 rushing yards, more than Alvin Kamara, can you add running back to your resume down too? Is this surreal? No, I don't know. Look, I, I just work here and, and, uh, and, and do what they ask. I By the way, that's, that's true with me. I, I just work here and I do that's, what they ask. That's exactly what he's doing. He's a tight end, and we're about ready to re- reignite this whole, this whole um, position eligibility argument, right? So he's a tight end. He qualifies a tight end in fantasy leagues. And he had more fantasy points than Mark Andrews or Dallas Goddard. Hayden Hurst was actually tight end four this week with 17.3. And Joku with 14.8 and on down the list. They're 34.1 fantasy points for tight end Taysom Hill, who had three rushing touchdowns and one passing touchdown. Insane. He didn't catch one. It's insane. Like, normally tight ends catch balls, and yet he had four touchdowns. Not one of them came on a reception. Three rushes, one pass. He played on 30% of the snaps. That's the problem, is that you can't, I suppose, in a deeper league, tight end is such a disaster. Yes. As long as he maintains his tight end eligibility, I guess you continue to use him. You know, kind of a weird game in that, uh, you know, Obviously, Jameis Winston wasn't there, so they want to use him in certain packages as a, quote, quarterback, even though he, he's a tight end. But just understand that there's going to be big games like this, but there's also going to be games where he just does, does absolutely nothing mm-hmm. because yep. he, he's playing on literally less than a third of the snaps. Like, he's a gadget guy. And so I say annoying and stupid, not because the, the man is annoying or stupid. It's not his fault. To his point, he's doing a job. He's out there and they're telling him what to do, and he's doing it, and by the way, and doing it effectively. Good for Taysom Hill. It's just like, for those of us with Alvin Kamara, for those of us with, with you know, Chris Olave, for those of us that had to, you know, in a 16-team league, desperately start Andy Dalton. And by the way, all those guys are me. I'm talking about <laughs> me right Dalton here. In our oh, league. Right? I mean, like, it, it's annoying because you're like, Wow! Stop he's it like with the, the Taysom guy, Hill. The guy in the group project just like doing everything. Where you're like, okay, you know, we gotta let other people have some credit at some point. Get some <sighs> yeah, I feel sword. like that. I feel like I feel you're like ca- you, you, you're kind of like a Taysom Hill. You're doing everything. Uh, no, I mean, no. But when I was in group projects, I was the guy that wanted Taysom Hill. Like, hey, you're smart. <laughs> yeah, Listen, I'll step just, up. Can yeah. I just? Yeah, I, let, I'm just gonna be the guy in the corner t- telling jokes and keeping everyone entertained. Can you like do the actual work? I, well, the Saints were like that then. Right. I mean, this one. What were you like him. in school? Were you like that? Were you like? Were you like the goody two shoes, or were you like goody the goody two shoes? But definitely not Taysom Hill. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. You had your role, and and you I stuck my, to I it. I had my role. Taysom I Hill stuck is to just it, yes. eating yeah. off everyone's plate. Mm-hmm. I. I, I well, we're going to talk more about but, this. But tomorrow I guess the final thing is we'll wire. talk more about him. Like, but I think given the state of tight end, am I starting him over a Mark Andrews or a Kelsey or a Waller or you know Higby or you know some of the guys that have been productive? The jury's still out on Waller. We'll see if he does anything tonight. But but, my, um, but generally speaking, I'm not starting him over like kind of a known quantity at tight end. But if you're sifting there through the kind of the, the dregs of humanity, as it were, like and you're just like and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm starting this guy because and maybe he'll okay. score a touchdown. I think he's in that mix. What's funny to me with the Saints is, and I, I do lean on the side that this is fool's gold. Like, this is not sustainable. This is very a gadget, fluky, whatever, especially when Jameis comes back. But the Saints right now are second in the league in red zone appearances, converting them to touchdowns. And he is a massive, massive part of that yeah. high rate of not kicking field goals when they get into the red. So do they look at that and go, this is a metric that we can finish top five in the league in because we have him? Or do they get back to conventional football? We'll find out. It's hard to say. It, it does feel a little bit fluky there. That you know, just most teams don't convert at that rate. No, right? you no know? it's an I mean, insane like it's, it's rate. It's insane right now. rate right now. Yeah. So it's coming. It's coming back down. Yeah. Well, it's exciting to say the least. And also, shout out uh, Mark Andrews 
first touchdown score in the game. That one worked out. The T. Higgins, like, who knows what's going on with, with uh, that. That was brutal. Like, he aggravated something, didn't play. But, yes. Uh, on football I don't want to just, like, inflate your ego the entire time no, by listen, what you I, I, Listen, it, I definitely, I definitely brought it back down. I definitely, I definitely made, some, uh, made some bad calls, too. But, yes, uh, first touchdown score, Mark Andrews definitely worked out last night on Football Night in America. Well, there's two other weekend warriors we want to get to just very quickly. But Deami Brown had a great day filling in for Johan Dotson. Two catches for 105 yards, two touchdowns, as well as Dallas Goddard. Had nine targets, eight catches for 95 yards, and ripped off a 31-yard catch and run and rush for 95 yards. It was pretty good. Goddard is a set-it-and-forget-it, you know, tight end one who's had 60 yards or a touchdown in every game so far this season. He's part of that red-hot Eagles offense, right? I don't think we need to talk about Goddard that much. I do think Diami Brown is a little bit interesting here. He had the two touchdowns, beautiful games, but an 8.5% target share. I, I'm... They're playing Chicago in the short week, so John Dotson might not be back. So I guess if you were desperate for a streamer, but he's not. I think it's more fluky than not. He's not somebody that I would rush out to get to the waiver wire because you've got McLaurin and Samuel and Logan Thomas should be back as well, plus all the running backs. Right. So uh, two big plays, um, but uh, I need to see it a little bit more before I'm willing to buy in. More interesting in Dynasty, I would say. Yes, well, we need to see some of the Sunday scaries. Some games that didn't go so well for some guys. Hey, it's a fantasy football happy hour. Anything can happen. Matthew, Connor, and myself will be back after this. Well, we saw here in Blighty uh, Aaron Rodgers and not Aaron Rodgers being pictured here, but I'm, I'm not sure if that's not Aaron Rodgers. It looks. Kind of like Aaron Rodgers. They look, they look very similar. Uh, at NFL put out that tweet if you haven't seen it, but uh, I've seen some features on it. So, yeah, the guy just sort of looks like it. I think they met, too. He lives over in London, but he looks exactly you like Aaron Rodgers. By the way, he sort of played like Aaron Rodgers, too. Just a um, disappointing day for the Packers offense. Yes, definitely. Oh, man. But a big day for the Giants, as we saw. I mean, the 4-1 and one Giants, the Brian Dable Giants, holy Insanity. smokes. Okay, but we're not going to get into the good stuff. We're going to get into some. And we're not going to talk about it real quick, but one of the guys that made me a little nervous is A.J. Dillon. Just speaking about the Packers offense, yes. it, it was, we keep complaining about free Aaron Jones. They did free Aaron Jones. Didn't translate into yes. fantasy production in a big way, but A.J. Dillon with his, I believe, his lowest snaps of the season. It was uh, That one was an interesting one. Didn't have a great day. Also, Najee Harris as well. The Steelers not doing a whole lot of offense. Dude, he's he is he probably other than Kyle Pitts, he's the biggest non-injury fantasy disappointment so far this year. One game with 75 or more scrimmage yards this season. He's had two different games under 40 yards. He actually played fewer offensive snaps in this one than Jalen Warren. Uh, he played 37 to 38 for Warren. He's played 80% of the offensive snaps just once so far this season. And you know the, they can't, Connor, they can't block anyone. And part of the problem is is I'm willing to write this off on a little level just because they got blown out. And it just they're trying to do different things, and the offense is going to take some time to adjust to Kenny Pickett under center. But if you look at their upcoming schedule, home to Tampa Bay, at Miami, at Philadelphia, home to New Orleans, like those are four defenses yeah. that are hard to it's run against. Better. It's not getting better. Two things for me with Najee Harris that neither are good. One, Kenny Pickett's not targeting him. I think he has four targets in the six quarters he's played with Pickett. Najee Harris, when you draft him, you expect him to be a target machine. Second thing, he's averaging this game, he averaged less than a yard before contact. When he gets the ball handed to him, he gets hit. It's not good. Yeah, I don't know what you can do about it. If, if somebody's willing to give you top 20 running back value for him, 
like I, you might be like, oh, I'm selling low on Najee Harris, but if somebody's still willing to pay for like name value here, but to me, I think you've got to downgrade him now to like you know touchdown dependent flex. Right. Like this is. You just got to hope someone in your fantasy league is not paying attention. Yeah, I mean, like, he's still got a name value. He's still getting a decent amount of work here. But I just – I don't see – it's not one of those games where I'm just like, don't worry about it, it's going to get better. Because I don't know that it's going to get a lot better. It'll be better than 6.6 fantasy points, but not a lot better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Connor, do you think it'll get any better for James Robinson? A little bit of a roller coaster because he's got to face the Bucks next week. I don't love that. But then you go to Miami, who the Jets just ran all over at will. Miami didn't tackle or stop the run. So James Robinson, he's not going to be as bad as less than six fantasy points that he had this week. The snaps are not going to trend all the way downward, even though they did a little bit behind Travis Etienne this week. Mm-hmm. So James Robinson will be be fine in the long run, but he's got a couple bad matchups ahead. Okay, Christian um, Kirk, though, Matty Berry. Off the one thing on Robinson, it's, I, I'm with you there. I think it is interesting to see, like, ETN, like, get, you know, more snaps than James Robinson in this one. And Peterson said after the game that they want to get ETN more involved. I think Robinson's still locked in as a top 20 play, to your, to your point. Just tough matchup against... Uh, against the Jags. He was also on the love list. That one did not work out uh, for me. But just keep an eye on ETN's usage here uh, as well. Okay, so sticking with the Jags, Christian Kirk, not a good day at all. Um, Do you see him bouncing back from this? I do. Listen, I'm in on Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk, to me, is a a buy low, right? For me, like, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is like, one for 11, I get it. It was was definitely a a tough game uh, for him. But... uh, he ran the most routes by a Jaguars wide receiver in in, uh, in week five, right? And this is a guy that had six or more catches or 70 more yards in his first three games. Tough game where the Jaguars offense couldn't get anything going against Houston, which is, uh, you know, better than they get credit for defense. And then last week in the slop in the rain against Philadelphia. So I'm not ready to write off Christian Kirk. I actually think he's a buy low. Colts are next up for the Jags, then the Giants, the Broncos, and the, uh, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm actually, and then the Colts again, I think. So, uh, I'm, I think Christian Kirk is a buy low. Okay. I'm willing to chalk this up as a bad day at the office. Another bad day at the office, Jalen Waddell. Yeah, a fluky week. I mean, Skylar Thompson had to play. He can't throw outside the numbers. If you watch the game, you could see that right away. And he's got two is going to be back soon enough, and or Teddy. He's got Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Chicago coming up. If you could buy low on Jalen Waddle, which I doubt you can, but if somebody in the league really does offer that opportunity, do it right now. Right. We know that uh, Tyree Kill was in a walking boot after the game. We're not sure on his status at this moment. Doesn't seem serious, but either way, Jalen Waddle is going to be, you know, nervous, right? He's had four less receptions in four or five games so far this season. He's a big. He needs a big play, but he's been able to get them, and we think more often than not that Dolphins offense is going to produce them. Hopefully. Tua or Bridgewater are back sooner rather than later. They play the Vikings this week, which I think, you know, that's a defense that you can throw on. All right, so Matthew, with A.J. Brown, uh, only 6.2 fantasy points. He didn't start. Usage was a a little bit different this week. What was going on? They didn't need to. I mean, you know, they were were crushing him on the the ground um, uh, in that particular game. And so, you know, and listen, the, the Cardinals did a nice job here. But Jalen Hurts, you know, they found other ways to win they, to win that game. I'm not worried at all about A.J. Brown. It was his first game of the season with less than five receptions. You know, he's still got seven targets in this game. I, I'm chalking this up to once again. Just a bad day at the office. Like, there are some where you're like with Najee Harris, as we talked about, where you're kind of you're a little nervous, but I'm not nervous about A.J. Brown. I would, he's, again, if somebody's nervous and panicking after week one, 
try to get him. Okay, so Connor, though, nervous. And by the way, they play the Cowboys next week right here on NBC, Sunday Night Football, NBC, Peacock, and Company Man. If A.J. Brent has two ga- bad games in a row, I would absolutely try to buy low. Because they make, like, Dallas has a really good confit. That's a, a really great good. game. Cannot yeah. wait to watch that. But Rams running backs, they suffered uh, Cam Akers, 13 carries for 33 yards, zero carries for Henderson. Yeah, I think it's so easy to get caught up in the Akers versus Henderson debate. And I think we're now at the point where we have to accept the Rams offense stinks and that neither yeah. of them are productive. Their line is bad. Stafford doesn't look good. And you're getting nothing from their running backs or their offense as a whole. So the Akers-Henderson debate has now completely dissolved into stay away from this offense. Yeah, that's right. The answer to do I want Akers or Henderson and the answer it's is neither. Neither. No. neither. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no more debate. Sorry you drafted them. Yeah, it's, it doesn't doesn't matter. Because yeah. that offensive line is just getting – I mean, they really miss Andrew Whitworth. That offensive oh, line is yes. awful, it's and they just can't Stafford, get anything going, JSP. All right, well, we're going to get things going with the last call when we return on Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Barry, Connor Rogers, JSP here. Don't go anywhere. The action never stops at BetMGM. Sign up now using bonus code PEACOCK and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code BARRY to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. Promo code BARRY. Yes. Use promo code BARRY for a risk-free bet up to $1,000 at BetMGM. You're like, why am I doing this? What's risk-free? He will hand you one thousand dollars. Literally, I think that's the contract that's I signed goes. with MGM. Is I literally come to your house and give you thousand okay. dollars. Monday Night Football that's best prop bets, Connor. I'm rolling with Hunter Rempro over four and a half receptions. It is plus money, which always scares you. But I love it. Listen, my thought process here is the Raiders are probably going to be down in the second half. They are going to be throwing Derek Carr when Hunter Rempro is back on the field, which he will be. Will look his way often. Okay, uh, Clyde, I, I'll leave it for last, Go but for I'm it. going with Clyde uh, Edwards-Hilaire. Under 12.5 rushing attempts, that's only minus 130. But then I like going big, mining for jewels, as I call it. Uh, Derek Carr, first touchdown score, which will not happen, plus 5,000. All right. I'm, I'm Carr jewels, sneak. So we'll see about that. Right, be interesting think? to see what happens with CEH. I'm going, listen, you know where you make money is on the boring stuff, the unsexy stuff. There's nothing fun about betting a kicker prop except winning Ooh. money. I like Daniel Carlson over one and a half field goals. He's made multiple field goals in every game this year. He's hit this number in four straight, three or more field goals in each of the last three games. If the Raiders can keep it close enough just to get Carlson there, this is at plus money. So give me the over on Daniel Carlson, one and a half field goals. So there you go. That's what's going to happen tonight. That hits I like all that. gritty dance. The underappreciated kicking market. The underappreciated kicking Mining market. Mining into it. For Julie Stewart-Binks and Connor Rogers, I'm Matthew Berry. You don't have to go home, but you got to get the hell out of here. We're back tomorrow. Good luck tonight, and we will see you soon. Peace out. <laughs>